If you had to choose a prison cellmate, who would you pick, Jared Meese or Kenny Tolbert? <laughs> Meese, because I would run him. <laughs> Episode 31, Tank Slapping Podcast. On the other side of the screen and on the other side of the microphone, Sneaky Sammy Sabedra. Short week, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, short week. Just got back from Springfield and uh, got to turn around and do it again. Uh, it's going to be, uh, the, from here on out, the AFT schedule is pretty serious, you know. It's going to be back to back to back to back. So it's going to go quick. Um, so not a lot of time at home, but time at the racetrack is always good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors and make this show happen, Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety of these helmets, they're unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Check out all their helmets, moto helmets, full face helmets, bicycle helmets, just so much, so much good stuff, a lot of quality products. Uh, another shout out to Jerry, Jerry Stinchfield from Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience commercialroofsystems.net dunlop tire makes it happen for us every week they are the official tire of the american flat track series with their new and improved dt4 flat track tire dunlop has two compound front tires and three compound rear tires available to find the nearest dealer visit dunlopmotorcycletires.com also moto america series they are the official ama road racing series in the usa led by 190 mile an hour super bikes the next event is this weekend, New Jersey Motorsports Park, September 11th to 13th. Get your tickets online at MotoAmerica.com. And if you can't make the race, as always, Moto America Live Plus. Subscribe. The action's incredible. Also, live Superbike on Fox Sports Saturday and Sunday. Live Super Sport on MAV TV Saturday and Sunday. And Eurosport streaming to 54 countries around the world. Check out the Moto America series. Support them. They support us. And uh, they're doing a lot of good things. But, yeah, Sammy, I want to get this show going, man. We had Springfield over the weekend. I want to bring in Chris Carter, too, to kind of chat about the weekend. But, yeah, what uh, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, you guys pulled, uh, pulled a win. So, uh, yeah, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? Well, well, first, since we're pulling Carter in, I think we should talk about our short track predictions because uh, <laughs> I was kind of close, man. I, I had Mikey Rush. Although he didn't win it, he was leading the thing and he bailed off. And I had Henry Wiles and he was second both nights. So I think I did pretty good. Carter, did you have Dallas on on, on your The uh, only deal? reason you want to talk about it is because you were the only one that was close. I said Coase, I think, which he finished oh, yeah, he back did. of the pack. And then I think, Corey, you said Shayna. Uh, like, I don't know. Carter, maybe maybe you meant Coast for the mile, not the short track. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's going to get a win. Wherever the hell it's gonna be, I don't know, man. I, I thought it was gonna be in single. I thought he'd do better in that on that short track though, and he did not. I was I, I saw him the next day, and I was like, "What happened, dude?" He's like, "Dude, I don't know." Yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like a tough racetrack. It it looked like one of the worst prepped Springfield short tracks I've ever seen. Whether it, you know, it, sometimes you can only do so much of track prep, and sometimes you can do more. I, I wasn't there long enough to really make an opinion on on that but from just from watching it it looked really rough and it got really dry i don't know it was just really weird it was just not smooth and fun and it just looked really treacherous i guess is, is the word so yeah it was unpredictable and 
some uh some new winners uh i'm trying to think who won the first one was it uh i know trevor bruner won dallas won the first one right okay dallas yep dallas won the first one so i think i mentioned i thought dallas would do well but yeah trevor bruner that's i i think i did say you know he could sneak up in there with a good result but i don't know i don't know if i picked him per se but no he he had a good finish i really like trevor i got to kind of meet him at amateur nationals last year and he won the horizon award so cool for him man i uh i didn't stay long i i stopped over um dropped off some stickers to some of my amateur kids that i sponsor and then i bounced and and got ready for the miles but yeah carter what were your thoughts on the old uh, legendary springfield mile oh man first of all i'm just stoked that i was able to get get there i was able to i was actually helping work a little bit with with the series i'm um, helping with a little highlight so i got to you know i was on the essential crew and got to help uh sh- shoot some harley stuff throughout the two days i know i know <laughs> i was right next to i was shooting rispoli like ran next to Corey's pit and i kept popping over and saying hey and he just like he was like what's, hat on, what's so going you're on? Good. yeah I, that was rocking c-test oh, that number one hat yeah okay, okay on the line and everything bro the springfield mile man I, it's one that i have to I, i've decided i have to make a Every year regardless of what the hell else i'm doing uh it's i mean it, it came through man it's another legendary two days of racing man it's halbert who saw halbert pulling that out i knew, people thought he'd be up there right this season but pulling out a springfield mile i don't even think we picked him as our dark horse no i was cool to, i think that's great for the sport to have uh somebody fresh on top of the box as far as fans are concerned you know uh and, and that's cool for 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 that team you know uh, I thought it was cool to see Halbert win for sure. Yeah, I, he's been riding, he's been riding good all year, man. I I I, was, I guess I wasn't surprised. I mean, it was kind of a I don't know, man. Springfield used to be used to be my favorite racetrack, one of them. I think I did an article for Cycle World a while back, and it was in my I did a top ten, and it was in my top three. And now it's one of my least favorites, to be to be honest. I, I just it's just so different now, like. Um, the first day I really liked, um, I'm, I didn't qualify well, you know, I was kind of, um, it came in though, the track got really fast and abrasive, kind of how I like it. And the second day it was kind of a free for all, you know, kind of slick right around the middle, saw each other's friends front ends off. Like it, I don't know. It was, it was just, it was really challenging. And I, uh, yeah, but I mean, for Sammy to win, that's that's pretty awesome. It's good for good for Sammy. It's been so long since he's won a race. I mean, it wasn't too awful, you know, too long ago, maybe ten years ago, where that guy was competing for championships and and winning a handful of races every year. And to go four years without a win, it's badass that he was able to to pull that off. Um, I've gained a lot of respect for Sammy over the last few years. Uh, I wasn't a big Sammy fan when I was younger, but. He's earned my respect and, and, you know, and as well as Kenny Kulbet's one of my, you know, one of my good friends in the sport. So that was really, really cool for them. And then Jared Meese does what Jared does. You know, he backed it up and, you know, or, you know, got the job done on, on day two. So that was, um, you know, I, I think he, Carver was giving him a run, but I think Jared had that. Yeah. I think he had it in control. I, I think Carver would have obviously still finished second, but it seemed like Meese was controlling that race. And, um, yeah, no, it was cool, man. I, I I wish I was still out in that class sometimes. It just racing those guys is a lot of fun, and yeah, it was just very very interesting to to watch. The second day though, I didn't even stay for the main. After my race was over, I I packed up and loaded. I was gone before the production twins main was even back to their pits. Like I we were gone, so I followed I followed lifetime and I didn't get to watch the. the I know. I I think I seen you on on Instagram or you texted me or something, and I'm like. 
where you at? What mile mark are you at? And you're like, I'm home, bro. And I was like, what? How are you <laughs> home? Oh yeah. Yep. I left. I was, I was not stoked on, on the weekend. I, I wanted to, I didn't want to see any more motorcycles go around that track. I wanted to get the hell home and get back to work and get ready for Williams curve. So you're still but, third points, man, you're still third in points and <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, yeah. uh, I got to say though, that production twins main, you know, I mean, I can talk a little bit about it from my standpoint because obviously, as everybody knows, I spin wrenches for Ryan Varnes. He had a good day the first day. Uh, the second day, just mile racing, handed up fourth or whatever. But I will say the second day, even though he won the first day, that second day, that main event for the production twins was pretty awesome to watch if you're a fan just i mean you didn't know who was going to win the thing and guys were everywhere um i know it was different riding it versus you know watching it but from a fan's perspective that was a hell of a main event probably the best production twins main event i've seen to date just because you had so many guys and you had no idea who was going to do it i was going to say the same thing best one i've seen hands down since since the start of this uh this little class uh but uh but I can't imagine being in the middle of that court. What was that like that you don't even want to talk Suck, about it? You're dude. shaking your Suck. head. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, I just, I have very little trust for some of the guys in that class. You know, I won't mention any names, but like just some of those guys, when they're coming off the corner and they're banging the wall with their elbow or running into each other in the corner, or just like some of the things they do. So I, um, it's, it's hard mentally for me to be in that pack, you know, where I'm at in my life, <laughs> 33 years old, but it's, uh, yeah, and it's a bummer because I, you know, the first day there was traction, and you can kind of separate. You can kind of separate a little bit when there's more traction. You can kind of ride the corners more, and uh, you know, the first day I'm, I was able to work my way up and 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 make charge at the leaders. But I feel I felt great. I mean, when I feel that good, I need to win those races, and uh, I wasn't even on the podium just because I qualified so fucking bad. So. That's uh, that's all me. I mean, I, I got to do a better job earlier on in the day and come up with a game plan for that. But yeah, the second day, there's so many riders at the front just simply because the way the track was, you know, there there was no traction in the corners. We're all running these really hard compound, you know, R9 tires. You just can't. There's only so much you can do in the corner. Like you get in, you're skating, you're skating, you're spinning in the apex and then you're kind of drifting and sliding off the corner and uh, it just makes everybody really equal, and it turns into uh, who has the biggest testicles and who kind of sets themselves up the best the last few laps. But I actually felt – I was actually really happy with where I was because um, I was kind of making a charge there with a few laps to go, and then the red flag came out. I was I was not – I think I was up to fourth when that came out. They reverted back a lap. I lost a couple spots on that, and then the, um, the, the restart was chaos. So that was just one of those deals – um it just didn't work out in my favor i was just stoked i didn't crash so um we got in there and yeah and just i was able to kind of recover and get a six so um yeah third in points like sammy said i'm one point out of second um as shitty as i've felt this year um to be where i'm at is actually i'm i'm actually pretty satisfied with that and um i'm pissed off and i'm ready to, to do better the rest of the season so Spoken like a true racer, never satisfied. You yeah. know what I mean? And, I like oh, it, not, not with a six. No. It's not like you haven't gone on a tear, too, and won a few races in a row before, too. So Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel really good about the schedule the rest of the year, and I think uh, we got a few tricks up our sleeves, and we're going to – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it 100%. That's all I can all I can do. But, no, it was, it was a good – it was – it was a good weekend of racing and thankfully everybody seemed like uh they were safe and and uh, that's the most important thing so 
Can I just add one thing about the weekend real quick? I know there's a lot of mixed feelings on this topic, but I got to say I'm a fan of Super Bowl. Uh, I think it just brought a whole new level of excitement, uh, you know, to the sport to see guys pulling in and off the track and, and going, you know, making changes and adjustments and heading back out to, to set a fast time. And then when they would come in, you know, to see their crew pulling, you know, wheels off and changing gears and, you know, changing air pressure real quick and doing this and doing that. And it was just like, man, I felt like I was at a MotoGP race there for a second. All the teams were, you know, right there at the, you know, the the hot pit and, you know, they were wheeling their tool carts there and just to see all that action and then, you know, see the guys kind of go out and, you know, he, you know, it's not often nowadays you get to hear one motorcycle go around the racetrack, and I think these motorcycles sound sweet, man. They're, they're, they're beautiful to hear something like that go around a mile wide open, and you really got to hear the uh, the difference between, like, the, the XGs and the Indians, and I just – I love that whole aspect of it. I thought it was really cool. I know there's a lot of other feelings about how that all went down, and people are like, oh, it's more time in the motors or this and that. I've seen – yeah, I don't know. I liked it. That's all I'm saying. I'm a fan of Super Bowl. I want to see more of it. Speechless. You guys are speechless. No, I'm, I'm, All right. <laughs> well, see, I haven't gotten to watch it back yet. I was in the middle of it. Like, I was literally down there, like, two feet from it, like, watching the whole, you know, pit area where they're all, con- you know, congregated there. Uh, I haven't seen it uh, from the broadcast perspective. I do think it does lend, uh, it, it, it opens up a lot of opportunity for storylines, um, not just, you know, with riders, but with team uh teams and and tuners which i think is cool um it could highlight some some new characters that we have in the sport that a lot of people don't get to see um i never even thought about the aspect of hearing the bikes but that's super that's super cool too um and i don't know man i think there is uh, you know there's a lot of buzz on the aft side of it um because they do want to tell these stories they do want to to um show show a little bit more of how the day progresses for each team and each rider Uh, i think it's going to be a challenge in the beginning to to capture those stories but i think if the teams uh work with you know the the people that are helping on the broadcast side i think there's a lot of opportunity to to tell a lot of stories that we haven't been telling on a race weekend so i think there is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of positive things about it but yeah it's it's i heard 50 52 i heard a lot of people old school people are like "Ah, i don't like it that way but i'm all for change and i think it's something cool to try um it's cool that they're they are trying new things like that for sure Corey. Have you ever seen the meme of uh, the Simpsons guy? He's like yelling at a cloud. Like, it's like breaking news. Old man yells at cloud. Yeah. That's just like <laughs> every old school flat track fan. Yeah. Like, they're just mad. Like, I, I was thinking about it. Like, every announcer we've had, every pit side reporter, every flagger, everything they've ever done in the last decade, they didn't like. <laughs> they just don't like change so yeah I, it, it, old man yells at clown um yeah no i i actually don't get on facebook anymore to scroll because at least this time of the year um aside from uh politics which is hell right now it's uh the, the flat track fans are it's just like it's uh yeah it's it's a big job so i stay off of it but i i, I can i can smart. imagine You're i can smart. imagine I, I don't want to get down that wormhole um somebody did send me something regarding who had the best wheelie at Springfield. It was on like the page and yeah, like it was just like a joke, like, Hey, who had the best wheelie? Ha ha. And somebody, obviously someone was bitching about that. Like I I did comment (laughs) a a grumpy kitty 
uh, just a grumpy kitty, like uh, Jif, whatever they're called. But uh, um, which Wait, I had a better. You... Danny S. Danny S. Like is a really he's really good at wheelies. Um, I think probably he's probably overall probably a little bit better at wheelies than I am. But my wheelie the second day was the whole straightaway. I was actually real, and I looked I at the crowd. Say, yeah. So <laughs> I think going on when he rolled that. out, dude, on the on the on the siding lap. Right? On the oh, yeah, dude. I was. I, totally I looked that. over and caught it for a second. I was like, "Holy shit, big dog!" Going down the front S-Lick stretch, wheelie, looking at the was, crowd. I mean, it was good. Like Eslick, a, a phenomenal wheelie guy. Like that guy can wheelie. But I think they're going off past wheelies, like our, our history. But I think the mind to his on that day, gotta give me something, man. That was. I got to go back and watch the replay. Hopefully that made the, you know, the video because I, I got to check it out. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think you what? just started there, like a, a you just started like ahead, a new low key competition each weekend, dude. Everybody's gonna get buy for the best <laughs> the best wheelie. <laughs> That'd be, be awesome. Now. You know, I'll tell you what, man. There's some guys. I mean, you know, ten guys could do a wheelie all the same length. And I tell you what, there's gonna be a winner. There's somebody that's that's gonna do it a little bit more stylish than anybody that's else. That's what I you mean. Know? Like I, it, yeah. mine was long, and I I I acknowledge the crowd. I don't know. I thought I thought mine was pretty solid. I was I was pretty pumped on. I was out excited. Somebody. It. I'm excited somebody appreciated it, you know, like I had a shitty day. So, you know, at least I'm up for grabs for the for the wheelie. But no, as, as far as Super Pole goes, I, I think it's really cool. Actually, I I enjoyed it. I was standing in the middle, uh, middle of turns three and four telling Briar where he where he was at on the uh, on the timesheet with my fingers. And then the second day we got a pit board. I was trying to show him and Bronson uh, where they are at on the pit boards. But Fuck for Briar half the half the weekend I had to hold up two hands for where he was in in uh, Super Bowl he, he was really struggling so I actually felt bad like telling him like bro you're seventh like I I w- stopped telling him where he was because he <laughs> he didn't have a very good uh he recovered and got a podium because that he's just an animal but yeah it was I really like Super Bowl and I, I think it's I think it's cool I was a little skeptical on um, the riders pulling in and off the racetrack on a mile um you know I that's kind of that can be kind of sketchy but. I mean, with the level of riders we have in that class, I mean, if you didn't singles or production twins, there's at least a dozen guys who I don't think should be allowed to, to do that just because they're sketchy. But um, yeah, they they did it. They did a really good job with it, and and I thought it was cool. And there's definitely some strategy. Some guys only did a few laps. Some guys did a shit ton of laps. Um, some guys pulled in every so often, maybe make a setup change and switch bikes and. I think it's really cool. It was a it was a good thing, Carter. I got a random question, and I, this just might be the the newbie, and I may be an idiot for even asking it. But do you think that that played into uh, some of the issues we saw later in the main events, like a Carver, um, things like that? Do you think it had anything to do with that, it, or no? It's hard to tell, man. I mean, you can't predict or make assumption on mechanical failures, like. Uh, it's just hard to say. I mean, you can build a bike and it can go on the dyno or you can build a bike and it can go for years. I mean, obviously wear and tear on the motor motorcycles, isn't a spectacular, you know, you don't want to keep doing that, but, uh, it's just, it's just hard to say. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, but dude, it's two grand to win and it's your starting spot for the, uh, for the main event. So maybe, maybe AFT could look at letting these guys tech a third bike and they could use that just for super pole or, I don't know some. I mean, everyone's. I, I'm. I'm. I'm assuming guys are. Oh, we don't have the money to run the bikes or keep doing this. Well, it's pro racing. I mean, I mean, it's top of the level stuff. You, you got to figure it out. I mean, we can't. I mean, you only. We we only have heat. They only have semis qualifying in a main. So I don't think it's not too many more laps. And 
a heat race, a dash for cash, you know, what, what they had in years prior, you know, I, what they do 15 laps, but, um, yeah. And, and on top of that, they had a super pole practice before the, uh, it was 10 minutes and then a 15 minute super pole. I mean, it's a lot of laps, but I mean, I, I'd want to be out there and get that track time. Sammy, what do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't see any, obviously, you know, from an outside perspective, cause I'm not a super twins team, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see a problem with, with a few extra laps. If anybody's, you know, if the teams are, uh, have concern or issue with the amount of time on the track, as far as, you know, extra tire wear or engine wear or things like that, maybe some things could be adjusted. Uh, you know, maybe they don't need that extra super pole practice, but well, don't go out. Know, yeah, just don't go out or whatever. Or do two so, laps. Yeah. Or, yeah, whatever. You don't even have to go out for that practice, the Super Bowl practice. So, you know, um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm a fan of the Super Bowl. Um, I I like it a lot. And I seen you, you you and Shana over there in the corner with your with your pit board. And I was like, oh, check these guys out. Talk about using strategy. This is cool. <laughs> so, you know, hey, man, it might be like MotoGP one day. You know, see everybody with the big pit boards out there. And uh, it could be another way of uh, riders and teams marketing themselves, you know, with their, with their team pit boards out there. And uh, uh, somebody told me Robbie Bobby had, a, like, one of those things they use in NASCAR, like the poles with a number plate on it. And uh, for, for uh, he was putting it out on the straightway, I guess, for Dalton to pull in. I don't know. I didn't see it, but that's what I heard. So I kind of like all that kind of stuff. It, it's just more to more to take in. And uh, the, the more racing I can get, the, the better it is. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I said, it was a good weekend for for the fans. I, I, I didn't have the, the best weekend. Me personally, I, I, for some reason, dude, Springfield's been kicking my ass. I'm. Uh, I'm thankful that that Springfield weekend's over. It, I, I mean, last year I did worse there. Honestly, I got a ninth and a fourth last year. So this year I got a, a sixth and a fourth. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad Springfield's over with and we can kind of get on these more technical clay half miles the rest of the year. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to them. And yeah, just, um, everybody, everybody, the fans too, like I can hear them like when they announce my name and stuff. And I really appreciate all the fans that were cheering and things like that. And everybody for coming out too. That was that was really cool. It was it was pretty packed, honestly. It was, um, it was really really good showing for uh, all things considered. But our guest for this week, I'm I'm pretty excited about. He's I've had a few people suggest him, and I've got to race with this guy a little bit during his second stint of pro racing, and it's Sammy Sweet. Um, he's from Texas. I don't know a lot about Sammy besides he's super cool. He's a bro. Like I've always chatted with sammy um i remember seeing him the first time on his comeback tour it was guthrie oklahoma it was a mike kid buku energy drink whatever the hell it was called um tt he was running the pro singles class and this dude was wearing leathers and during a time when nobody would wear leathers on an indoor tt he had leathers and a full face on and he was sending it over the jump and just so fast and i'm like who the hell is this goon in leathers and a full face you know, going so fast. I, I, I knew nothing about Sammy Sweet. Um, Old that was school. Little, his first era, his first, you know, era was kind of before, I, I wasn't born yet. I don't know that era super well. So I didn't get to see his first stint in pro racing, but he's super competitive, even with how old he was. I'm not sure how old Sammy was when he came back. Well, we'll get him on the show and, and ask him. But yeah, I'm excited, Sammy. Sammy, Sammy's a cool guy, but yeah, it should be good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> You're all right. I'm You're all right. Cool, but... <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's call him. Let's, Carter, let's give Sammy Sweet a call. And, and after the phone call with Sammy, we'll, we'll touch upon this weekend's events. Hello? Sammy Sweet, Corey Texter, Sammy Sabedra, uh-huh. the Tanks Lap Podcast. <laughs> How are you, dude? Welcome to the show. Um, I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, we're we're doing well, man. It's, dude. It's been a while since I've seen you. I don't even remember the last race I saw you. What what's been going on? Um. Well, COVID. I've been COVIDed out of all the races this year, um, and I could go as a spectator and buy that, but uh, it's not the same. And it's tough. You know how it is getting people in the pits and more than your crew. And as Jared has a huge crew, it's not the easiest thing. So, um, that's where I've been, uh, last year I made, uh, gosh, what was the last one I made after Sturgis and, and Sacramento? Um, and then that was it. But, uh, anyway, cause I love the race and I don't miss a, I don't miss a lap. I'm either, I'm either, uh, no matter where I'm at, I'm live timing on, on the AFT app or, or watching on the, on the NBCS. A true dirt track junkie. I like it. I like it. I got. I, I got to say, hey, Sammy. Uh, you know, I know you kind of had two racing careers in a way, and um, you know, we have some young listeners, and uh, you know, there's probably people that remember you from when you were your your stint in the mid uh, 2000s, and then uh, we probably have some guys that that may remember you from your initial stint. I think you got your national number in uh, like 1982. And uh, th- that was quite a long time ago for, for some of our listeners. And, uh, man, so just, you know, tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about Sammy Sweet and the early days of racing for, for some of our younger listeners. And, uh, yeah, just take us through those early days of Sammy Sweet racing. Oh, wow. Goodness. Uh, so, actually, the early days of Sammy Sweet racing was, as a little kid, I grew up in Florida in the Orlando area. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the Orlando Sports Stadium, it had a short track and a, and a motocross, and and uh, oh, I'm probably saying in '73, four, five, in that area when I'm eight, nine, ten years old, and uh, so we would uh, we would flat track and change the tires and motocross the next day. And back then, it was uh, you know Billy Lyles was like the star. He was a flat tracker and then turned out and went on to the world motocross. But it was in that era. Um, and so then I moved to Texas in 1979. So we left Florida, got to Texas. There was really no flat track. So we started motocrossing again and then uh, heard of Ross Downs in Dallas and the guys at the old timers. You would go up there and on a Saturday night show, it would be like Terry Poovey, Bubba Shover, Mike Kidd, um, Bubba Rush from down here. And a lot of the old time names, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the, the crowd that would know us from back in the eighties. And so we decided to go back and flat track and, uh, got good enough in Dallas. And everybody said, if you can ever win down here, you can head up North. And so that's what happened. And I turned pro in 1981 as my novice year back in the novice junior expert, uh, days. And, uh, went up there with a gas card and 200 bucks and waited two weeks with my license till I was 16 years old. And, uh, I remember the night before it was a granite city 
And uh, mom and dad's like, uh, hey, if you can make this last, you get to stay till, you know, it was back then school was uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh, it was a summer break. And if I could make that 200 bucks in a gas card last, we could stay gone all summer. So that was the goal. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's what we did as an office. And then the junior went back up and I was a rookie expert in 1983. Um, got my made the, my first national I made is a rookie in 1983 was at Peoria, and wow. back then uh, we were on they weren't on the twins anymore. We we were on uh, it was a 600 row tax uh, night frame, so uh, that was that. And uh, so I run national number 60 from that point uh, until 1988. So that was my early career. Um, it was it was a lot like it is today. You, you know, you progressed up, novice junior expert. Um, the rides were tough. The competition was incredible. Um, walking around the pits with a bag, hoping to get a ride. Is it you know, as an expert from junior to expert, you went with the twins. You know, the junior rode the um, restricted twins, and it's, it's similar to today uh, in the fact that where you have production twins or the super twins. Um, of course, it's a lot different now because you've got the limited amount of riders in that class and we used to show up with what a couple hundred <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, the guy, the days, and, and you'll hear, I mean, everybody said about this, the days of Daytona, you get there as a novice and a junior and you race Monday through Friday, but, uh, you had to win a heat race and hope it was a fast one to qualify to the next one. That's yeah. it. That's crazy. But uh, I, uh, it's just what it, what it was and what everybody did. So that that was the early career, and then um, uh, rode for some good guys. Uh, Kenny Talbot was a tuner. Carl Patrick was a tuner. Johnny Goat. I had better tuners than I was a rider. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, and and uh, honestly, I was a top ten guy. I was never a top five guy. Uh, you could run, you know, fourth at Louisville and things like that back in the eighties. And I will never people, but I tell you one thing, Oh, if we're talking about the old days and then the coming back, you know, what was it like then? Were there guys better? No, they're just as good now. There might've been more good guys then, but these guys are good today. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, hearing the people that you talked about in Texas, Mike Kidd, Bubba Schobert, Poovy, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it up North, you know, that's, I mean, you're, you're racing some of the greatest to ever do it. So that's uh, it's really cool. You had, uh, it's crazy. You said there wasn't a lot of flat track in Texas, but you had guys like you know Poovy and Schobert. Um, and I always thought you were a Texas guy. I mean, I, I had no idea you were Florida born and bred. I mean, that's a state that really doesn't have a whole lot of flat track either. So um, it's kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, you mentioned the um, I don't know. You mentioned your your first career. You know, what made you decide to stop? I mean, it, it you know you stopped. It was like you had seven seven eight years as a pro. What what was that decision like to kind of step away from it? So, um, and, and this gets talked about at times, why do guys quit? Not because you don't love it. Uh, as you guys both know, it never leaves you. Um, there's two things. You either, either money or injury. And uh, this is the only reason guys get away from flat track. And uh, I was injured. And uh, it just happened to be <clears throat> I had my first child. I uh, got hurt really bad. It, uh, San Jose that year. And then it, uh, it was at a regional 
in Troy, Ohio, and dislocated my hip, and that was the end of the season, and my main sponsor was gone. And those three things, it hit me, and I was like, wow, have a little one, have to, you know, regroup this thing all together. Uh, sponsorship, you know, I need money, I need mechanic, I need everything, and from Texas, it takes a lot of money to go travel up, and, you know, you're not in the heart of it there. Um, hey, do I want to be on these crutches all the time? And showing this little boy how to throw ball and things like that. And so I was like, you know, one day it's going to end. We'll just carry on and, and start a new career. And and that's where that was. Um, I didn't get completely away from it at that point, um, 87. And then I raised, you know, I started to try something in 88, but it wasn't there. So I took the year off, couldn't walk away. And Kenny Talbert and I had developed such a good relationship. He started working for Chris Carr in, uh, I, I, they might have been together in 88, but in 89, that was one of their first years. And uh, he said, hey, dude, hop in the truck. <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> so I went, uh, you know, just helping uh, Chris and Kenny through 89. And uh, they would let me throw a short tracker in. And every once in a while, you get to go to an outlaw race. And it's like, oh, yeah, can I ride tonight? Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, you still had that fun. But, uh, you know, the competitive, as serious as you have to be to run in the top 10, to make a living at this stuff, you have to be so all in or out. Um, Because it seems like, you know, if you're in the middle there, that's probably when you do get hurt. uh, And the money, it's just, that's what happened on the first career. And after that year with Chris and Kenny, it was out of my system for a bit. And shoot, guys, I left 20 years. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden it's like uh, you were gone, and 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 then you know all of a sudden, man, I, you know here, here's I was like, no way, is that the same Sammy Sweet? You were I don't know what they called it back, and I guess it was maybe. Uh, the mid 2000s, man. I think it was called Pro Sport then. And then you know I see this. I start reading in cycle news and seeing you here and there. And I was like, no way. That's Sammy sweet. Like, that's awesome, man. You were gone for like ever. And then you come back and it's like, what's this guy be doing? Cause he's, he's, he's still fast. Like this guy's had been riding this whole, this whole time. I mean, I mean, I know we, you know, a lot, you know, anybody at this level has natural talent, at least some ability of natural talent, but uh, you know, to take, such a long time off and come back. Uh, I mean, what was that like? How did you do it? I mean, I know you wrote a little bit, you said with back in 89, but like, I mean, 89 in mid two thousands, that's a long ways off. It was. So, um, I, you know, uh, having, you know, my son and I got into, I probably coached a thousand baseball games. Uh, and then my daughter, um, did softball and cheer and, and they grew up and they weren't completely, well, my son was gone. He's shoot your age, Corey, you 33 now or up in there close to that. Or you just, uh, yeah, 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 I'm around there. <laughs> so, I mean, that's exactly how old I am, bro. Like, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, as the kids got older, I was like, you know, I really missed their bike. And so I grabbed a, a dirt bike and just started hitting the trails and, uh, crazy story scott sherb uh had always been in touch with him and he was a texas guy and he says hey they're having a race up here um there's like a short track it's uh they're having a hair scramble and this and that and come on up and i had a dirt bike and i came up there and and i did it and it's just like what happened something happened something snapped inside of me uh a light went in my eyes again i was like oh my goodness what just 
what came out of me that's been buried for the last 20 years. Cause I was in 2007. Um, and so, uh, we stayed up like little girls all night talking about the old days and racing and this and that. And he's like, well, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Now they call them pro sports and you got to get a license to be that. And <laughs> this is what you got to do. I was like, well, I just want to go have fun again. And gosh, I got online and, and looked and bought everything J.R. Schnabel had on them Yamaha <laughs> and, uh, got a motor home and said, man, I just want to go ride. I just, you know, I don't want, didn't want to take it too far. I just wanted to get back in the racing bug and, Goodness, took them Yamahas that he had and and found the Steve Nace races and made a ton of them and was just having a blast and still working and running back and forth. It was a crazy time, but that was my 2007. And at the end of that year, it was time to decide, okay, are you done again? You know, you had your fun, are you out or not? Um, so I said, you know what, how far can I go with this? Kenny Talbert and I had always had a great relationship and Terry Poovey had um, had his accident and was out and had built a brand new bike. And Kenny's like, get this Harley. I'll help you out a little bit. (laughs) Oh boy. So that's when it hit me. It's like, wow, am I really going to do this again? And uh, so we did Um, got that Harley and got a framer and said, man, let's go to Daytona. And this would be 2008. And uh, let's go see if we can, you know, make a main event. And uh, didn't do so hot at Daytona. Of course, didn't surprise me. Um, Tough place to do good. Uh, We rained out Springfield, and I believe the next race was uh, Buddy Ford put on a race up in New York. Um, And it was a mile, and we won the semi and made the main event. And it was just like ecstasy. It was craziness. And, uh, from there on, I had a pretty decent season. Um, I think we made eight main events, ran as high as eighth place at uh, Greenville, got hooked up with Don Camlin, and uh, I had a wonderful, I mean, the time of my life. Couldn't couldn't imagine life being any better than in 2008, and uh, at that point, I'm uh, 43 years old, and, uh, you know, I thought, wow, I could do this again. Um and then the injury bug happened again in Springfield and broken pelvis and amongst other things. Uh, that put it into it right then and there. It was like reality came crashing to you. And so right. that was, you know, the extent of my second career. That's uh, you got the chance to, to, to live a, a, what many racers could only dream of doing you know so many guys walk away from the sport and and you know like you said earlier it never leaves you and so so many guys you know just would love to have that one more just one more chance to do it again or just you know even one race and uh to do it at that level and and i think that's really cool and i'm sure that's special that you were able to to do that again you know um i'm sure that had to you know that leaves you with a good feeling inside and you have to be content incredibly lucky fortunate you know i look back it's like a lot of times like man my whole life you know things have been good things have been lucky and and uh fell in place a lot of times and that was it was just a very fortunate time um if it hadn't been for kenny talbert i wouldn't have done it at all um because at that point who do you trust building you know xr 750s for you uh 
having just uh, to be in a financial position. I've been in, so when I when I started a real job, which all racers always, you know, as the youngsters say, man, one day I'm going to have to have a real job. And when that happened uh, back in uh, 90, where I started working for utility trailer sales, I was always a salesperson and, you know, gave you some room to do stuff and especially race like that too. And today I'm still with them at real job. So uh, fortunate with that, but that allowed me to be able to live that second dream. Um, and kind of really soak in a lot of what you missed the first time around at 17 to 21. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, you know, so much, it's such a different perspective. Um, yeah. And again, the, the biggest question was, hey, how is it compared to, you know, then to today? And again, you're lining up with Graham Goss, Moorhead, Ronnie Jones, uh, you know, just down the line, you're like, oh, my God. The guys today are just as talented and good, just quite not quite as many of them. But yeah, uh, it's good to hear that. Honestly, I mean, I try and I try and I get that comparison a lot from the old days and uh, and as a rider in the newer era, you know, and and you know, I I the, I was around that, you know, the Camel Pro days, you know, my dad race, and I have so much respect, you know, those guys, including yourself, like everyone back in that era, they were my heroes, so. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Cause like those guys growing up, you know, it, I had so much admiration for them, but I know how much work the guys put in today and how good at riding motorcycles they are. I mean, it's just different. You know, the, the, the depth of the isn't as great, but the guys at the front, they're still, I mean, they're phenomenal athletes. So it's cool to get that comparison. We had Larry Pegram on and he's still doing it. So he kind of pretty much said the same thing you just did, you know? So it's, it's good to get feedback from guys that have raced in all the different eras. Oh yeah. Pegram, amazing, you know, too, what he's done, how long he's done it and kept it going. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, gosh, you know, and, and I remember when Larry was, in, you know, I was a novice, I would stay with him and Donnie Eastep and man, well, that's the thing you, you, you stay with people, you know, how the racing crowd is, especially you come from Texas and head up there uh, as a novice. We stayed at the East steps and the junior, we stayed up with Brad Taylor in Illinois. And, you know, you just, you, you found a new family and, and got to every hang out. State. <laughs> every state. You got a friend. Every state. Yeah. Yeah. It needed to. And of course, you know, how I was back then though. Uh, you know, we're going to make a living doing that. We're going to race Santa Fe, you know, outside of Chicago on Wednesday nights and every fair race and regional you can find you know, it was rare that you didn't race at least three nights a week, if not four. Yeah, did that burn you guys out? I mean, I've never really asked. I mean, you guys rode so many races back then, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Wednesdays, you know. Um, did that burn burn you guys out? I mean, I, back then there was a lot more partying, and, you know, you guys just freaking just sent it all week long and raced and drank. Who said that? Come on. <laughs> I heard you're legendary, legendary when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> did, it, um, did it burn you, you out? Know, and it was never, ever the thought of that. Never got tired of it. Never got tired of pulling in, washing the bikes, working on them. It was almost, and you're right, we had a, so much fun. You chased the fair races. You'd have beer. Um, but it was so different because, you know, you you put your money in the shoebox, and if there's two or three of you jamming stuff all in one van, you put your 20 in. And when it was gone, you put the next one in. Um, you know, it took your turns driving at 2 in the morning. You threw a 
Atlas in a cycle news on the dash. <laughs> you know, the bigger engine. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, if it shows the race here, cool. Put your fingers on the map and please don't get lost. And, and uh, you know, let's make it there. It, uh, but it never, burnout was never part. It was just, that's what you had to do. I, if we couldn't, honestly, if we couldn't race that often, couldn't have made a living. I remember you win a novice race, 30, 40 bucks. Mm. Um, oh, damn. Right. So, you know, the junior it doubled, but the purse was like uh, it was like seventy percent for the experts, twenty for the uh, juniors, and ten for the novices. So you're like, you know, um, you had that's what you got. Um, but it was never burnout. You just you were enjoying it, having fun. I remember me and Matt Rosowitz in 1982. We were juniors traveling together, and uh, we were. Busting across, heading towards Kansas, I'm sure, for the Kansas circuit, in our underwear with the windows down in that van, the AC was out. Just looked over at each other and was laughing. We're like, <laughs> man, dude, we will never have real jobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and you just race it, but the burnout never happened. You just had too much. I think it was just too much fun um, yeah. to imagine doing anything else. And, Whenever I get the question of, man, did you ever go to college? I did, but it was a different kind of college. It was it was real <laughs> life. It's, it was learn how to take 200 cash in a gas card and stay gone for three months. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. If <laughs> that know. doesn't teach you some life lessons, you know, hey, there's no, hey, there's nobody that I know that's been a professional racer that just everything they've learned from being a racer on the road doesn't just – just set them up for the rest of their life and and, and, and learning how to navigate life. It, it racing teaches you a lot, but uh, yeah. you know, this, Sammy, the show, you know, obviously it's called Tank Slapping, and, and we and we like to hear the wild, crazy stories. I know you talked about you and and Matt driving <laughs> in your underwear and stuff like that. And man, I know you spent a lot of time in a van on the road, and I know you probably ate at a lot of bad restaurants, and you know, uh, you know, picked up girls at the county fairs. And uh, I mean, <laughs> who is the worst guy or the best guy or any way you want to look at it? Probably both in the same answer. Who is like the worst guy to travel with, or, or the guy that got you in the most trouble, or 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 was the wildest? Oh, good. Well, so, yeah, it's probably the most trouble, it seemed like. Uh, and this was probably in 1985. Uh, Rodney Ferris and I uh, traveled together. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was like, it was it was fun, like the novice and junior years, but to the max, you were just like, oh, my goodness, crazy. It's like, Ferris, I thought I was crazy. You're you're nuts. <laughs> um, you know, well, and it's like, well, yeah, sure. Look at him. Watch him on the track too. Crazy, incredibly fast. Uh, Godspeed Rodney is just uh, what a dear friend, but talk about the most fun I had here was probably traveling with Rodney Ferris. Uh, yeah. The, the West coast swings and, you know, just, uh, on the road a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, you just meet so many people. You have such a great time. Uh, you get just, I mean, an encyclopedia of, of contacts and people and, and relationships built that you don't even know what is happening at the time. Um, Did you guys it, have, it you didn't have, obviously you didn't have cell phones. So when you had to stop and call someone, did you mm -hmm. find a pay phone? How, how'd that work? 
Yeah, it was pay phone. Seriously. Uh, pay phone. Pay phone and, at the... and if you were lucky, they would take a collect call. If not, <laughs> you packed in the quarters. <laughs> and, and then what? You just carried, obviously, you carried, uh, I'm, this is serious stuff. Like, you carried, like, a phone book, right? Like, a, like a, a, what is it called? A Rolodex or something with numbers well, and stuff? You know, you did, but for the most part, <laughs> You didn't spend a lot of time on the phone. Um, you know, here's, you'd call Steve Stores in California and order something. Um, you know, you would call who you, you knew the numbers, but it's crazy how many phone numbers you could remember then because you had to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you had to pad. But, yeah, there was no cell phone. I remember the first cell phone I saw at a racetrack was I think in like 1988, Scott Stump had this <laughs> cell phone that was that was bigger than I mean it was massive, you know, it was like a huge satellite phone. And it was like yeah, it's 750 bucks and you know 100 bucks a minute you can't use them things. But anyway, yeah, so it's cool to have. In those days, that was uh, you just didn't have it. So, uh, so you the know- road at the road atlas was it. <laughs> You know what's funny is Scott Stump was our last guest, man. I could see Scott oh. with, his, with his permed out hair <laughs> and that big cell phone. <laughs> uh, Scott, you know, and I, I left out that. That was uh, one of the last years I, we stayed with the Stumps quite a bit. And Tamara, what a wonderful woman she was, and they were so hospitable. Um, the Stumps was was great. That was that was so good because you were right there in Columbus or you know or Westerville, and. Uh, He's so central to all the races, but yeah, um, no, the stumps were, were fantastic family. Yeah. I mean, the guys at the track now, I mean, there's, we talk about the legends and when it comes to like getting girls at the track and things like that, like you have the, oh, the Paul Lynch's and the Mike hackers of that era. And then, you know, the Ryan Wells is of today. Yeah. <laughs> I won't, I won't drop too many names, you know, but Somebody mentioned to me, like, ah, man, it was a couple years ago, like, dude, Sammy Sweet was a legend uh, of uh, getting girls, man. I I had no idea. I mean, I I see it, but um, dang, man, that's like, it's kind of like a legendary folklore, Um, you know, Sammy Sweet with with the ladies. So, um, yeah, dude, how'd that all play out? Didn't hear all that. Didn't know all that. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Rumor has it. His wife is probably sitting them. on the other side of the room right now. <laughs> You're on the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of it, dude. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, well, well, what I'll tell you is we had a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and there, there has, I mean, it was not, it didn't happen only one time that you would be sitting next to, you know, whether it was a novice and you're next to with, because Danny Ingram and, and Eric Roush and, and Will Davis and my, Matt Roswitz, myself, were, we were uh, novices all together and, you know, fierce competitors. You're just like, knock them down and go back. You're like, yeah, but we got to load up in the same trucks, go home. <laughs> um, but get a tap on your arm, pulling up, you know, your spot at the starting line. You look over at them and they're pointing in the stand and you're like, no. <laughs> uh, you see two blondes in the stands at the fair races. And you're like, okay, dude. Uh, I win. <laughs> My choice. <laughs> but that was uh, that was fairly common. Uh, for the guys, you're like, you know, you're thinking about nothing but the races. And then that moment, you're just like, and you just almost crack up in your face shield going, geez, what are we doing? <laughs> 
it seems like you guys had a you had a lot more fun than what we do now. I mean, it's a different vibe. It's more like business. Like I don't know. Back then, you guys really you guys really had a lot of fun. I'm jealous. I didn't race in that era. Well, you know, um, Jared. Of course, traveling with Jared, um, you have to learn a ton just you know, because. So when you came up, you seem like somebody will say, well, who's the most talented? Who's the fast? Never about the fastest. Who was like the most naturally talented rider you ever seen in your life was Ricky Graham. Um, with no effort, Ricky was awesome, phenomenal at everything. Trail riding, like a deer through woods. You're just like, where'd he go? Um, and, and, and on a motorcycle, and you get like with Jared Meese. Very talented kid, but Jared works so incredibly hard to be where he's at today. But a guy like Ricky didn't have to work that hard. So I learned about, and Jared is always like, dude, I heard the stories. I heard the stories. Tell me this. Tell me this. Tell me this. Well, but y'all used to hang out with each other. Y'all used to drink together. We don't do that. We just load the truck up and go. We don't see each other or talk to anybody. It's just different. I don't think it's much different than baseball and football, though. I'll bet you if you talk to the major league players and the NFL guys, like Kenny Stabler and them back in their day, you know they were they were tearing it up, getting drunk, and doing the same shit after games. But do you think you know Tom Brady's doing that today? Nah, he's so eating a salad. I know. Just the I, eras, you know. Yeah, that's so true, um, man. That's so true. I've, I watched uh, not to totally switch gears, but I watched this documentary called Cocaine Cowboys, and uh, the guy was talking about you know. Miami and the whole cocaine deal back then. He was like, it was the night before the Super Bowl, and he had like the whole starting lineup of the Pittsburgh Steelers doing cocaine the night before the the Super Bowl. And it's like, what? Like, you know, that would never happen today, obviously. But yeah, it was just different times. uh, Different times, things change and grow. And like I say, it's not that the talent was different. And you know, I mean, we're like say you had Bubba Shelver, Chris Carr, Ricky Graham, and them guys. You talk about talent and fast and incredible, and you're like, well, how are they so good and so fast? Because they didn't have Alden Baker-style training. They didn't, you know, they weren't bicycling 80 miles a week and things like that. It's like, no, they just did what they, they did what they were good at. That was race. They were just yeah. good racers. Well, I, I, they weren't I, good at training. When you talk about just guys that can get out there and do it and talent, man, there's one pitcher, you know, that comes to my mind, and and it belongs in the Dirt Track Photo Hall of Fame, and it's a picture of you at Ascot. I'm going to throw it up on our Tank Slapping Instagram and Facebook because you guys got to see this picture. There, there's a couple pictures, you know, that belong in the Mount Rushmore of Dirt Track photos, and there's. I hope you know what I'm talking about. It was Mitch Friedman oh, took it, and you're Mitch like on the <laughs> cases, and I'm like, that's the most yeah. badass picture I've ever seen. Because it's not like you're, it's like you're going in the corner like that. It's one thing being crossed up in the middle of a corner, but to go in a corner right. like that, oh, that 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 photo is takes the cake, man. That that's that's one that's one of my favorite photos. Well, thanks, and I do have that photo, and uh, Mitch Friedman, you, you're right, took it, and legendary Mitch was taking pictures, shoot, I mean, gosh, what, 50, 60 years worth of pictures now, it seems, and uh, we talk about that when I do see Mitch out on the West Coast, and he's like, you know, I was at Ascot, and of course, um, those that got to race Ascot, very, very lucky, it was just such a you know, a man's man's track. Um, you had to just, you had to ride like an animal to get around that thing. And, uh, 
Mitch, uh, he says, uh, he goes, you know, I just had a feeling. He goes, I'm going to walk you down into three and four. And he goes, I've seen you in the practice. And he goes, I think Sammy's going to have a good one. I'm going to give it one shot. He goes, I went in there, bam, got that one shot. And that was it. <laughs> like, wow. But, uh, yeah, that's a good picture. Uh, I'm glad it's still around. I'm glad more than me has it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a good one, man. I'm, I'm going to post it up for anybody listening. It's going to be on our Facebook and our Instagram. It, you got to see this picture. It, it's epic. Yeah, a lot about how riders look in photos is kind of describes their comfort level that day. I mean, days where I look like a, a douche in photos, uh, I probably had a bad day. But days where I'm, I've, I've had a good day, I look actually pretty cool. I look loose. So uh, you must have been – do you remember how you did that day, that picture? You know, Ascot was – it was uh, – <laughs> it was probably – so that was 1986. I think I got eighth or ninth or something, which would be incredibly good at Ascot because – Man, the guys like like say Ronnie Jones and Moorhead and Randy Goss, they were just so good there. Um, they had that place dialed. Um, yeah, it was tough. It wasn't a very big track, but boy, it was a tough one. I've heard and the war stories. Was, that was, oh, that was one of them where you had to wear just cardboard was only going to get you broken ribs. You had, <laughs> you know, the the clods were hitting you so hard even on that little half mile. But dude, Randy yeah, Texter would talk about the cardboard all the time. He's like. I'd come in after getting roosted at Lima. He's like, ah, you ain't shit until you rode Ascot. I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard a lot the stories. Of with Andy. Great, yeah. great, great guy. Great guy, too. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, it's really, I mean, it's got to be crazy, man. I mean, you rode with my dad, then you ended up racing with yep. me and Shayna. I mean, you've got to race so many different people. Like, you've raced Randy Goss, and then you come up and you raced, you know, like, brad baker and guys like that it, yeah. it's just crazy it's it's really cool that you yeah know. it's it, very lucky very fortunate to have gotten to done that and uh you know um blessed uh lucky blessed and had a good time doing it and had just enough natural talent to be able to you know keep doing it it you know, things did change when i came back uh went to the, the dtx was coming in um i got to race one year on the framer uh, and then it went all to DTX, and that was a whole different ball game. And then watching, watching the kids come up on the DTX bike, you're like, yeah, they're really good at this. <laughs> um, well, because you could even see watch Chris Cargo out of that era, and then just as good as he was, he wasn't. DTX wasn't his game, wasn't his bag, wasn't his style. Um, but yeah, and then like you say, Brad Baker, geez, crazy good on them. Um, and it was a lot of fun doing that. A lot of fun getting to watch kids, and I enjoyed that as much as anybody. And then helping guys, you know, when I stepped away a little bit, tried to stay involved with a little bit, and and uh, like, um, well, yeah, Corby you know, ride for me for a year, and and Stephen Vanderker, you know, for a little bit, and you know, would help anybody I could because I was just felt lucky, and and I wanted to give back. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you know, for for. You know, some of now to switch gears the other way from some maybe for some of our older listeners uh, that may not know, you're still involved in the sport today. I mean, you've you helped Jared out a lot. I see it. You know, you're part of his crew. Um, what exactly is your role with that team or with Jared and and how that come about? I'm sure Kenny Tolbert had something to do with that. But tell us a little bit about your, your role with uh, Jared Meese and, and maybe a couple. Uh, I'm sure you got a couple wild Jared stories, too. Well, so the Jared started, um, 
that was 2013 actually. So um, I had, you know, stayed around to about 2011 and then kind of eased back out again. And I was actually out in California, Sacramento. My brother lives out there. I went to a swim meet with his daughter and uh, they were racing Stockton that night. And I said, Hey, I'll make a double header. I'll get to go catch a race. And I was going through the pits and Kenny had started working for Jared that year. And uh, I went through the pits and he's like, dude, get a shirt and give me a hand. I was like, I'm here to watch. What do you mean? He goes, no, I'm serious. I need some help. (laughs) Okay. And so I didn't know who Craig Rogers was, but, uh, you know, I met him because he's a team owner. And uh, so shoot that night, I was like, man, I hope you change gear, this and this and this. And after the races, uh, you know, I I know who Jared was because when I came back in, in 2008, nine. 10 was racing and he was a hot dog and, uh, you know, just knew him through the races. And, uh, he's like, Hey man, so what are you doing the rest of the year? Like my job, I'm working. I'm kind of good on this. He's like, well, anyway, you can show up and help me again. I'm like, well, you know what? This was fun. I loved it. Uh, let me see what I can arrange at that time. So I had the job was in the sales job. So you could make time easy. Uh, I had one of my best friends. It was one of my street riding buddies. Um, worked for United Airlines, and he's like, hey, hook you up with a companion pass. I'm like, oh, shit, this might turn into something real. So, yeah, I would I would take all my vacation time, and I would fly up or drive up to where Kenny was because he's always based himself just outside of Fort Worth. And uh, I'd get in the truck and ride, or I'd fly there and meet him, and like I say, with a companion pass, hey, you'd have to stand by it, and maybe get stuck one night or something. But anyways, did the 13 season with them, and uh, – Jared got hurt at was that it might have been Greenville. Um, he was doing a regional race, and so it kind of cut that season short. And uh, then it gave us time to think. Hey, you want to do this again? You know what? I do. Then I'm going to come in. You know, all the way. And so I we did it in 14 and 15, and won the championship both years. My role was. Kenny did all the motors and uh, loaded everything up. I would get there as much as I could and give him a break. I would, I would do tires, filters, gas, drive. Um, Kenny and I had a relationship since racing with each other back at Ross Downs in 1979 and 80. So we communicated real well, and it was kind of easy for us to watch Jared and then look and say, this is what I saw, this is what I saw. He comes in and tells us what he thought. And we put those three together and there for a couple of years, it was like, it worked. It wasn't magical, but it was pretty good. And, uh, so that's what I did. I just, uh, I showed up and gave them my best, my perspective and what I've seen as a racer. And, uh, we would do stopwatches back to back and turn around and say, this is what I think we ought to do. And that's the way the Jared means, you know, uh, relationship with myself and that team developed. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious on it too. I, I know you were, were an important part of that crew and you guys were very successful. So no, that's really interesting, interesting stuff. We, uh, we like to do one, one closing segment on our show. Um, it's called the higher low line and we kind of give you a this or that question. And then I don't know, a brief, ex- brief explanation on why you chose that answer. But, uh, the first one here, Sammy actually put put this one down. If you had to choose, if you had to choose a prison cellmate, who would you pick, Jared Meese or Kenny Tolbert? <laughs> Meese, because I would run him. 
<laughs> I like Kenny too much. I would just absolutely abuse Jared as a self. <laughs> I mean, great. I love. I love it. <laughs> All right, all right. right. Since you're a Texas guy, well, somewhat of a Texas guy. I didn't know you were from Florida. That was a big surprise, man. But uh, you're a Texas guy now. So, and and you have both of these places In N Out Burger or Whataburger? Whataburger, 10 times over. Oh, no shit. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I guess. Uh, Well, okay. So, Whataburger, I mean, In N Out's been here. Uh, but it's been used to maybe a year, been in Dallas a little bit. But, uh, you know, when I say I grew up in Florida, up till I was 12, 13 years old, but I've been eating Whataburger ever since. And uh, it's, that's Texas uh, all the way. All right. I like it. Uh, Texas, well, Texas people are, are pr- the proudest people okay. ever. They're the right. proudest. They, 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 even if something else is better, if something's made in Texas, that's the better one. All right. Well, then I, I, I got a tougher one then for you because they're both from Texas. You got to pick okay. one. Mike sure. Kidd or Bubba Schobert? Oh, Bubba Schobert. Uh, okay. And respect and love both of them guys. They're awesome. Um, but Bubba Schobert is a whole lot more, I would say, like myself. Mike, uh, phenomenal uh, promoter. Uh, everything he did, he was successful at as far as that. But no, I'm more of a Bubba Schobert guy. Actually, the first race I ever seen you ride was the Mike Kid. I was telling the listeners before you came on was that Guthrie Oklahoma deal, and you were Buku. you were skying <laughs> skying the, the jump in your leathers, and nobody wore leathers on the TT but you, and you were like landing in the corner. <laughs> I didn't know any better, even at 42. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, why is he so fast? And why is he wearing leathers? <laughs> My dad's well, like, oh, that's, that's, all we ever, that's Sammy Sweet. You know, that's all we ever did was wear leathers. But, uh, yeah, I guess that was the old school in me. And, oh, yeah, and they were uh, and they were over the boot, too. Nice. Yep, I remember. Nice. Yep, I remember for sure. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right, so uh, I'm sure you know the 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 series always kicks off in Daytona, but you were you know you kind of had two racing careers, and both of those careers, the season opened in two separate places that are pretty historical and legendary. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the better season yeah. opener, Houston Astrodome or the uh, Daytona Short Track? Uh, the Astrodome, um, just because of the atmosphere it brought, what you know, and they, you're right, they're both the opening of the season, but uh, boy, the Astrodome was just incredible, and back then, when you would walk inside of there and just look, you'd just be like, oh my goodness, uh, and uh, one of my, you know, I have a great memory of uh, the Astrodome in 1986, and me and Kenny were, uh, Talbert, that was our first full year together and uh we had fast time there and uh that was the first year i think they ran the short track and the supercross on the same weekend but yeah no the astrodome uh man i would i would have a hard time finding many people that would not say the astrodome if you if you ever raced it yeah i mean i figured both it was probably was it a crapshoot like daytona i mean any indoor type deal it's kind of it, it can kind of be a crapshoot. So what was it kind of you know, like? A, it, like uh, I don't know that it was a crapshoot as much as Daytona, and especially the old Memorial Stadium. Well, 
the old, the new, the middle, all the all the stadium races, they always have that limestone and, and that little groove and that start. But um, the Astrodome was always set up. You could run high-low. Um, Hoovy won that thing and, and kept it up on the high line. You could see Eklund, um, Jorgensen, them guys could run the high line or they could put it down low. Um, it was a multi-line track. Um, you watch the old videos of that thing. It was a racer's track. Um, it wasn't luck of the draw, get a good start. You needed all that, of course, in the short track. But uh, there was quite a few different winners on that thing, and, and those guys were going to win anyway. Yeah, real quick, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Poovy winning it. Uh, I think that was 82. Were, were you there for that? I mean, were you riding it that year? I was the junior that year when he won that, when he put that little factory Honda up on the high side. That's one of the most incredible races of all time. It's on YouTube. I've talked about it quite a bit before, so I don't even know if you know yeah. this, but that race is on YouTube. It, 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 anybody listening, just Google 1982 Houston Astrodome. It's one of the most badass races you'll ever watch. Yeah, they so back then they had the junior invitational. And being from Texas, uh, we got, I got to uh, be part of that. Oh, they had cool. just, you know, you would you, you would qualify and then just run an intermission race as a junior invitational. And uh, back then when they would do the invitationals, it was local. So it was Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma guys. And, uh, no, it was good. Like I say the Astrodome experience was incredible. Yeah, I, I see pictures. I'm more of an indoor guy. Like I've always liked the indoors, kind of just the atmosphere and everything else. So I'm kind of jealous we don't. We don't have any indoors, man. That'd be cool to do for sure. Hell, I don't even. It'd be kind of weird, I guess, with the whole Corona this year. I don't know if they would ha could have an indoor, but yeah, no, that's jealous, man. Astrodome looks like a really fun place. Um, no, that's yeah. some good stuff, man. I uh, I was excited to have you on, man. When you when you text me back and you said you were good for the show, I, I was really excited just because I haven't talked in a while. I wanted to see what you've been up to. So, um, a lot of good stuff, and yeah, we appreciate you taking the time coming on and, and talking with us. Well, I appreciate the invite. Uh, yeah, when I seen the call this morning, I'm like, great, this would be awesome. <laughs> uh, talk to anybody about it in a long time, and uh, it just makes me smile the whole time I'm talking about, you know, old days, new days, and all of that stuff, and even the guys today. That's awesome. It was great to, you know, uh, to hear, you know, all your stories and, and talk about the old days and your views and your takes, man. Uh, like I said, you were uh, just from that, you know, I, I'll bring it up again, just from that, that Mitch Friedman photo that made it in a program, which I still have an ascot program. You were, that made you a, a, a household name around my dinner table when I was growing up. That picture was amazing. I can't wait to post it. <laughs> but, oh, like I said, it was no, it was a pleasure talking. I to actually you. got something else too. I want to bring up. I was talking with Jared Meese today, and he was telling me a story about you. You guys went to uh, you and Tolbert, I guess. You went to a gas station back in the day. Uh, of course, you know a, a good gas station story. But you uh, you were at the <laughs> hot dog machine, and you you ate. You took a bite off every hot dog and put it put it back in the machine or something. He was trying to tell me, and I was like, Wait, oh, "What he do?" yeah <laughs> well yeah that was uh gosh that was back in the Tolbert days and uh god they were leaving ross downs or one of those and stopped at the local place where we we're always going to get beer and some hot dogs and of course we had to try every one of the ones on the roller grill and 
We didn't like any of them, so we put, <laughs> we took a bite and put them all back. <laughs> uh, stuff that we would go to jail for today was. Can you imagine going in place. and seeing all the hot dogs ha- have a bite have a bite out of them? Like, what the hell? I'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> Teeth marked across them. Like, yeah, okay. Racers have been here, haven't they? <laughs> that is classic. That is classic. Yeah. Well, dude, again, appreciate you coming on. We'll have to get you back on and. Hopefully we can see at a race. Are you going to make it to uh, the Devil's Bowl coming up? Yeah, I'll be at Devil's Bowl. Okay. Yeah, for sure, Devil's Bowl. Couldn't, we'll couldn't miss that. We'll see you there, man. We'll see you there. Yep. Hey, thanks again, guys. Great talking to you. All right. See you later, Sammy. All right. Bye. See you. Sammy Sweet. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I love the really biting all dude. the hot dogs. That's hilarious. Dude, can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, like, I can't so imagine. I can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> well, it's like, oh, the the motorcycle racers have been here. And it's just like flat track motorcycle racers are way different than even road racers or moto guys. Like, I feel like we're more raw. Like, we've done more raw shit than even, even th- that type of racing. Like, there's stuff that you do as a flat track racer growing up as a, you know, a rookie professional or younger guy that... Um, it horrifies people. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. But I tell you what, man, there is no, you know, racer or fan, there is no family like the flat track family. You know, I'll tell you that too. So we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Pretty, we're, we're a pretty good bunch and of dude, people. All, all the stories you hear on here, like they're great and there's some good stories, but like the really good stuff. Oh my gosh. You, uh, only it's, Two or three of your buddies within the sport know about the good stories. Oh like, yeah, those those ones you gotta have, <laughs> you know, crack some cold ones and and stand around a garage a little bit and then they start. I flowing. don't even know, man. You ever see uh, Fast and the Furious Five with they have that safe at the end of it they have to crack into and it's like you gotta palm scan it and it, oh it's like the safe of all safes. <laughs> Inside that safe is like a, a, the best Sammy Sweet stories or the best Rodney Ferris stories or the best Paul Lynch stories. You know, it, Oh, there's some good ones. Oh out there, man. man. They're, and it'd be, it'd be gold to get them, to get them on. Ah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll turn this shit into a, an R rated show at some point right now. We're like, PG it would have to be man, but it's gold. It's gold. I tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't got to tell you, Corey, I know, you know, but some of those stories you hear, about these guys is insane and then you know you you know you get a little taste of it yourself being a racer traveling around so it's like man those other stories they have to be true well the so last you- episode of the show we uh preston burrows we, we had we had a guest and um and we had to actually he told us a story and we had to call the person he was talking about and chat with him and it turned into a half hour thing and we could not release any of what was talked about and it was yeah good, we don't, <laughs> you don't even you don't even know who the guest was you know it's just like yeah it's yeah, it's good stuff man it's good stuff but no yeah it was it was good to have sammy on um i just saw today sammy actually that dave honig dave and kathy they're they retired like they're not going to any more races this year and springfield was their last aft race so i just saw I... that on facebook you know what? I did not see that. I seen Carter just sent me a, a message a little while ago, and that's the first I heard of it. And man, that's a big shocker. I mean, I don't even know what to say. You know, I mean, uh, that Dave and Kathy have been around the sport. Pro- I, mean, I can't. I don't even really know how long they've been around the sport. I know they've been around it a very, very long time. They've probably been to more nationals than anybody ever, uh, and, and they're such a staple 
there's the, you know, of the sport, you know, they, they really are. And, uh, Dave for all, all the images he's captured. He, I mean, he's really captured history and, um, you know, made the sport better, you know, made us better. Cause I know as, as a writer, I looked at pitchers and I evaluate them and I'm like, Oh man, look what I'm doing there. Or, oh, I'm out of shape there. Or, oh, look how the motorcycles working or look at the tire, you know, how it's flexing or this or that. So, man, I can't believe that. Uh, I'm almost at a loss for words right now, but, um, I know, I know, uh, I know they have their reasons. I respect that. And good uh, for them, man. Good for yeah, them. Yeah. I, uh, I hope Dave and Kathy, uh, in, enjoy their time. Uh, I'm sure we got to see them again at a race sometime. I, I'm sure they'll, they'll yep. show up, but yeah, yeah, they do a lot for us too. So I want to just give a shout out to Dave and Kathy for supplying us with photos of the older riders. And if you get a chance, yeah, you know, we're able to kind of share photo, really cool old school photos because of them, Dave and Kathy. So yep. if you get a chance, hit them up on Facebook and just thank them for supporting our show with great old school photos and things like that. But yeah, um, just, uh, Really, really cool guys, uh, Dave and Kathy. They're, they're great. Yeah, and two things. You know, a lot of people say, oh, Sammy, you know so much about flat track. But, you know, a lot of that comes from reading Dave's stories in Cycle News. So, <laughs> so I, gotta, I owe him a lot, too. You know, uh, I do. So. Yep. Well, we got Williams Grove this weekend, man. It's a hometown race for so many of us. But I'm really looking forward to it. I Every year I go there, I, I l- learn to like it more and more, and I've, you know, I've have quite a few laps there, and I'm I'm excited to race, race, sleep in my own bed, go to Williams Grove, and see some of my friends and family that I haven't seen really all year, and they get to come watch watch us race. So, I'm excited for Williams Grove. It should uh, it should be a good weekend. Yeah, you know, such a historic racetrack too. I mean, so many guys have won there just in motorsports. Everybody from Mario Andretti, you know, uh, all the way to, uh, you know, the dirt track guys. My grandpa. There you go. Exactly. I mean, so much history at that place. And it's just cool that AFT is a part of that, you know, that venue. And I think it's really cool uh, to race at such an iconic racetrack. I love the place a lot. I go there, watch sprint car races. I I actually rode a motorcycle around the place and drove a sprint car. So I, I love the track. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it should be good. We, uh, Appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Definitely, uh, every every all you guys, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Make sure you hit us up and uh, appreciate all the listens. All the re- we've been getting a lot of reviews on iTunes, and we appreciate you guys on that. So keep them coming and all the support. It's definitely appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I love hearing from everybody. You know, I, I get a lot of people. I know uh, I don't see a lot of people at the races uh, due to the whole, uh, you know, um, social distancing. But when I do cross paths with someone, you know, we get a lot of good feedback. And that always makes us feel good to get that feedback. And we love when we, uh, you know, get that feedback on iTunes or on Instagram or Facebook. So we love hearing from you guys. Keep that up. Um, Corey, we got a race calendar to talk about too. A few races coming up. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Let's shout them out for sure. Yeah, can't forget that. I guess, uh, the first one I want to talk about is down South in Florida, uh, the Southern dirt track association of Florida. They're having, I believe what's their season opener, uh, September 12th at the, uh, Marion County Speedway, which uh, I know you know that track, Corey. Uh, mo- most guys go down there, do a lot of uh, uh, test and tuning before the start of the season at Marion County. It's a really cool racetrack, um, but they're having their first race September 12th. Um, you can uh, get more info on Facebook. 
uh, on their page, Southern Dirt Track Association, and that's September 12th. Yeah, make sure you check them out, their website too, Southern Dirt Track Association. Uh, I don't know the website to be exact, but it's southerndirttrackassociation.com, I think. And But yeah, a lot of the info, they do a really good job at updating their Facebook pages. I've done a lot of their events over the years. They have a short track and a TT that they do on uh, that they're doing on September 12th. So check them out. If you're in the area, go support them, watch a race, sign up. Uh, if I'm sure if you guys are listening and you want to ride a ride, you never race flat track, I'm sure they'd find you a bike. So they have... Uh, an open novice class for beginners and mad dog and and things like that and then i also want to shout out um, one of our biggest supporters and he's been with us uh, on the show here for a few months now is the the best ohio summer series they're racing at the galleon ohio short track on september 12th as well the short the short track practice will start at 6 30 there's camping available make sure you check out best ohio summer series on facebook and Len, he's Len, on Facebook. Yeah. He can answer your questions, but send him a message. And, um, yeah, they do a really good job. So Yeah, Len's a cool guy, man. I ran into him at the short track, Springfield short track, and uh, we hung out a bit, a bit, and he gave me a stack of stickers. So I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come up with some kind of giveaway, and we'll get some of those best uh, – uh, Ohio Summer Series stickers out to some of you listeners. Um, and that race, actually, I want to mention real quick that's happening um, is part of the Triangle Motorcycle Club at Galleon, Ohio. So um, it, it's it's part of the best uh, Ohio Summer Series put on by the Triangle Motorcycle Club, Galleon, Ohio. Yep. Yeah. And we actually, I know, I don't, the last show we did a giveaway. We gave away a Bell Helmets hoodie and a bell helmets long sleeve t-shirt and we gave them away guys the first two guys that uh left us a review on itunes that we shipped them a, a brand new bell bell zip up hoodie and a bell a long sleeve hoodie t-shirt. too it's that really nice. sweet yeah i know very nice yeah i know so, i have a couple more here actually hold on let me go over here and see what sizes i have we can uh you can send one do to another carter. giveaway send one to carter i'm just kidding I won the Carter. Uh, let me see what I have here. Send it to Carter. All right, I have, I have a extra extra large, and a large, long sleeve bell helmet, t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, and it's getting chilly at night, so. It's that time yeah. of year, man. It's that, it's that time, time of year. Of year. So let's let's give away a long sleeve shirt next. Uh, you guys listen to this show. First person to leave us a review on iTunes, send us the screenshot via Instagram or Facebook, and we'll send you a hoodie free of charge. So definitely yeah. appreciate Bell Helmets for their support of the show and, and uh, letting us give you guys free shit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's cool. Um, before we uh, end the show, Corey, I don't want to end on a bad note or a sad note, but uh, I think I have to mention this and uh i just uh want to pay you know my respect to a former former national number um he was national number 27 richard arnez of stockton california recently passed away um you know richard was a, a very talented rider that could mix it up with the best of them he was a product of uh, california's district 36 and was probably one of the most uh, underrated riders ever um early in his career rich made the switch to road racing and entered the world superbike uh, championship and in 1990 won the 750 cc european superbike championship and uh, i just wanted to you know pay my respects and and have the show pay our respects to a, a former national number a dirt tracker and uh you know fellow racer and good guy richard arnez godspeed 
Yeah, and I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Ron Connor. He was from the Belleville Enduro team, and he was one of the corner workers this weekend at the Springfield Mile. And unfortunately, there was a delay in the program, and it's because Ron had a heart attack, and he passed away. And I know he was very well loved by everyone at the Belleville Enduro team, and he was a Vietnam veteran. Um, I don't know a lot about Ron, but I did know that that took place during that day, and I, I rode over to the corner to talk to some of his friends that were in the corner and um expressed how how sad i was for them and um just a just really sad deal that we we lost uh one of our corner workers man without them workers what they do and everybody at the track we wouldn't be able to do what we do and um yeah godspeed to uh to ron as well and you know i have to mention i hate this i don't want to turn the show into memorial but you know you gotta you gotta pay respect <laughs> yeah. man there's another guy Got west to. coast legend uh steve lacy uh he's good friends oh, with yeah. Uh, yep. yeah rod lake and he's been involved with so many guys i mean uh yeah he, he recently uh passed away so we just want to pay our respects to a uh, california guy steve lacy um godspeed steve and yeah, that's that's uh, all I got. I don't want to end it on a bad note. So no, um, no it's okay. I I, I just I kind of had to. I, I laughed slightly just because it, it it it's okay. Like it's a memorial deal. We're one big family, and when when people pass away, we we in that are in our sport. We all grieve together. So yeah, it's it's a bummer. And uh, those all those guys you mentioned will definitely be missed. And I, I guess we could kind of end it on a funny note, right? We could just you know end it on a on a something to chat about but henry wiles man shout out to my boy for uh, for, uh oh, hank. Hank. shout me out dude he shout me out on his instagram uh page today uh this morning i got up and i saw he uh his instagram it says like aft pro twins like i don't i don't know what but i'm like who the hell is this and it was a uh, wiles he tagged me in the tagged me in a photo i got a, quite a few likes from it or i'm um, sorry follows so shout out my boy henry for for uh I, I guess remembering something I said 10 years ago, I don't even remember saying it, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, he was bummed about something. I guess he thought I said, but I don't even remember saying, I don't even remember saying it. I mean, I, I I've never mentioned on the show. I'm not a big Henry fan. I just don't really like him. Um, but I, I've always respected him as a writer. So I don't, I don't know, man, living, I've li- been living rent free in his head for, I don't know, I guess for a while now, but yeah, dude, shout out for Henry for, uh, for, um, Give me a shout out on his page. It's pretty cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And he's leading the singles points. Who would have ever thought that? You know, at this point, you know, after yeah, I mean, not taking anything away from him, but you know, uh, boy, I just really put my foot in my mouth on that one. Sorry, Hank, but <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised he's leading it. And you know what? Good yeah. for the good for him and the old guys, I guess. <laughs> Dude, he's a good rider. I I'm, I'll never not say Henry's a good rider. I think maybe I don't know. He's uh. He's feeling frisky. He's got a good points lead, but got a lot of season left, Hank. So just keep yeah. going. Don't worry about Corey Texter or something I've said a decade ago, bro. You need to keep grinding <laughs> because uh, these these kids are going to be quick on these upcoming clay half miles. And yeah, I wouldn't be worried about what. Uh, I mean, as many races as that guy's won over the years, to be worried about something I've said, possibly. I don't even know if I said it, but uh, yeah, go wrestle me, dude. Don't worry about me. I'm. <laughs> I ain't got no yeah. beef with you. I, 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 it's okay. We don't like each other. That's fine. But don't be. Sh- I don't know. You don't need to shout me out on your Instagram unless you want to. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, it was not. I had quite. I had man, probably dozens of messages today on that deal. I was like, dude, I don't. I'm not gonna like let him sh- call me out and not respond. 
respond, but I don't fucking care. I've got shit to worry about. So uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was good. That was good stuff. Hey, dude, we need drama. Like, we need some drama. Like, like me said, it's it's bad. It's it's not good when there isn't shit talking. Like, there's no motivation. To be to be honest, to be to be quite frank with you, I tried to sign up for the singles class this weekend, but it's past the it's past the the sign up thing. What? I had a bike lined up. Did yeah, you really? Yeah, he motivated me a little bit. I was like, "Well, I think I suck on a single. Let me f- fucking sign up and let's see w- let's see what's up." Because, um, yeah, because I, I I still think I, I I could go out and be competitive on on in the, in the singles class on the right bike. So, um, so I tried to I tried to sign up single and it was it was too uh, late, we, man. Yeah, I, maybe we can get him on a pro- maybe we can get Hank on a production twin. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. I just like I was like, all right, well, I'll find a single to ride then too. I'll pull double duty. Hell, I'll pull triple duty if I could. But yeah, I I, it, I, I tried to get signed up. And they're like, dude, we, we closed the sign up last week. I'm like, ah, shit. I was like, all right, well, I I still have. I'm working on something to maybe show up for some of these clay half miles on a single. So we'll see. Look out! Look out! Little motivation, okay. baby. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Uh-oh. So we'll see. We'll see what's good. <laughs> but yeah, so that was cool. Um, again, appreciate all the fans for for tuning in. We appreciate your support, good or bad. Let let's hear it. Um, I I've been getting some questions. Like some fans will like message us on our page, just like general flat track fans. Like, hey, why does the program do this and that? I don't have answers for all that stuff. Like, uh, we're not encyclopedia. Well, Sammy kind of is. Maybe you can just ask Sammy because he's more in the know than I am. But yeah, sorry to the people that reach out and I'm. Just, I always have to answer. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know all the answers. So. Um, but yeah, we appreciate the input and, and everything else. And till next show. That's all we got. Peace. Yeah, I got. I, I got to get out of here, guys. I got Michael Anderson and his tuner Chris Borges. They just showed up at my house. They're here for the week before Williams Pat- Grove. So.